We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. As we're inching closer and closer to NFL Draft Night, my name is Mike Wentman. Gage Bridgeford joining me this week is. We take a look at the cornerback position here for our, our Packaday draft preview series continuing. And Gage, we were talking a lot before we started recording, and this is a very interesting corner class for a team that doesn't necessarily need a corner, but you can never have too many pass defenders on that side of the ball. You really can't. There is always more room for coverage guys uh, in the secondary. It doesn't matter what your team looks like. You are always like, oh, no, we're set here. And then all it takes is an injury or two, and then you're trotting out um, Ladarius Gunter to guard um, Julio Jones in the NFC Championship game. So it's never a bad thing to have more corners. It's not. And, and, there's, and the best thing is there's a bevy of size in, in the cornerback rooms in this class, there's a lot of guys, six foot, six one, six three. One guy we're going to talk about that we both really like is six four. Uh, there's going to be a lot of guys to look at here. I know the Packers want a slot guy, probably primarily, so you don't have to always use Jair in that spot. But there's there's such an interesting dichotomy with how this cornerback uh, draft class is going to be, and it starts at the top. So we're going to talk briefly about the top two because we don't think either of them is going to be there by get to twenty two. Probably none of the top three. But the two we're almost certain of that won't be there are going to be Derek Stingley out of LSU and Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. I know we both are really, really high on Stingley. And there's a chance he may jump out of the top 10, but I'd be surprised. He's he's that damn good. Yeah, I think the only thing that's going to knock him out of the top 10 is if he gets the classic, does this guy love football treatment? If he get, If that gets moved on from and teams actually look at, oh, man, this guy's actually just really good then I think he absolutely should be picked in the top 10. The guy had, was the number one corner in the country as a, as a true freshman. I don't care what, who won the award that year. Stingley was the best corner in the country. He was like first team all SEC. He did everything that he was supposed to do. He didn't win uh, SEC rookie of the year because Bo Nix got it because he plays quarterback, but I'm still locked in on the idea that Derek Stingley is the cornerback one in this class. He's got the ability to play press. He can float off and use his athleticism to play in zone and play kind of off coverage. He can do a little bit of everything, and he there's nothing he can't do at the next level. 
And with Singh, he also brings that swagger you want from a corner. You want him to have that little bit of that chip, that edge, that attitude. Obviously, you see with Jair, uh, and whatever you think Kevin King had that as well. Jalen Ramsey has that. Like you want, you want that edge that they're they know they're going to lock you down, and they will let you know they're going to lock you down. And Stingley's that guy. Uh, he is like he's cornerback one, but then I don't think that far behind is Sauce Gardner. I mean, Gardner's bigger corner, six three was absolutely locked down when you look at the numbers in Cincinnati last year. I mean, he, this guy doesn't give up anything. And hopefully that game translates to the NFL, as long as it's not Seattle, because we were talking he screams a, a Seattle-type corner. But Gardner, he's got all the tools as well, just maybe not quite as as athletic as Stingley. Yeah, you got a guy that's 6'3", 190 pounds. He's huge, and you're right. He does scream Seattle. I, and that's also why I said before we started that I think he doesn't end up in Seattle just because it's a pick that makes too much sense for them. There's no way that they would make it. But the guy's got – he has all of the attitude to be a great corner at the next level. He's already – he already talks – he chirps a lot. He's got a lot of swagger to him. If I'm not mistaken, he's the guy that on Twitter in the last couple of weeks said, I'm the best player in this class – it's like there's, this is a class with other guys like Derek Stingley. They have James Williams. They have Aiden Hutchinson. There's a lot of talented cats in this class. And he said, nope, I'm better than all of them. So he he had a great year of he – had, he had a great year for a Cincinnati team that made the uh, college football playoff, rightfully so. I understand that they got beat up on by, by Bama, but then again, so did most teams that they played in 2021. He is just – He's built to be a great corner at the next level, and yeah, he's definitely not going to be there when Green Bay goes on the clock. Sure, and let's talk about one guy who may or may not be. I would lean that he won't be, but there's been interesting, conflicting views on where Andrew Booth Jr. is going to go. The junior out of Clemson, again, six foot. Clemson corners, Clemson just defensive players I like because I think I thought uh, Brett Venables did a great job coaching them forever, and I will see how Venables does at Oklahoma. But Booth is a guy who's been climbing up boards recently, but all it takes is one, something happened to drop him down a board. And Booth could be a guy, you, you just find a good football player. If he's there at 22, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a move there. Yeah, I think he would make a lot of sense to him there. Uh, Brett Venables definitely got the most out of him, and that's something that I always love to see out of your out of defensive coordinators. I think that they're always, if you can't get the most out of a player, I think that's more on you than anything else. I mean, who was the the linebacker? Wasn't it his Venables' own son that he made a integral piece to Clemson's like defensive success? If I'm not mistaken, something like that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff with Venables over the years. Well, I just there was I remember one guy. It was the one that he got ejected for targeting in in one of the college football college football championship games. I believe I think it might have been the one against uh, LSU, and he. Yeah, that's what it was. It was against Ohio State, but it was like his own son or something got ejected in the game, and his the guy the guy wasn't anything particularly athletic, but it was the defensive coordinator always got the most out of him, and that's what we saw with Booth. Booth had a like he had a just he started out with he just started out and he got better over time, and that's all you want to see. He came into the year as a high, as a high interest guy, and just as the year went on, he continued to get better. All of his best tape was in this year and that's all you can ask out of a guy is to really peak at the right time he's a he's a junior five-star athlete six foot 194 pounds he's got the requisite size speed he's got the mentality to play as a corner at the next level there's nothing wrong with him as far as i can tell 
when you talk about Kamen as a five star, he's not going to turn 22 till late September. So he's still extremely young. Uh, he's known as being a better man corner, uh, very sticky with, with good hips. And the best game fi- uh, film watched by Joe Marino, who, who did a l- evaluation for the draft network was their game against Georgia in 2021. So I think that was the national champion or that was a, the college football playoff, which is, that's pretty good if that's your best film. If, is, is when the game is the biggest. Like that's, that's a guy who I would love to get and, and again, you can never have too many corners in the room. So if you have a quarterback room of Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Russell Douglas, Andrew Booth Jr., who's throwing on you? Like that's just absurd. Yeah, no one's throwing on you in that situation. That's what we said when we first started this podcast, that it's not a bad thing to have more guys that can cover. Like the more guys that you can have cover, the better. And so Booth is kind of up or down. Do you really think he'll be there at 22? I don't, but I would love for that to be the case. I honestly think that he will be there at 22. I think that there are, I think there's enough other needs in this class that I think that he is one of those guys that could slip down the board just a little bit, not necessarily due to any fault of his own, just more due to there's other guys that I think are going to go ahead of him. Fair enough. So let's move on to another guy who's seen as a potential first rounder. And now we're going to go off a little bit further west. We're going to the Pac-12 and that's Trent McDuffie out of Washington. I know, uh, one of our colleagues, Brennan Roop, who is a big Washington guy. Uh, Trent McDuffie, one of the two Washington corners in this draft, 5'11", 193. He's seen more of in that late 20s range. Um, I, I'm tr- I'm interested to see what, what people think of him and what, where he ends up going because he's got everything you he, – he was a good college player. He was a very good college player. He had everything you wanted in the college corner. And I want to know – I want to see how his game will translate to the NFL when he'll probably have to play more inside. Yeah, he is a – he's going to be interesting. I personally wouldn't – I like McDuffie over Booth for just from a from a, a fit standpoint, not necessarily more of a skill standpoint. I think Booth is the better corner, but I think that McDuffie fits better in what Green Bay needs. Like they need a guy that can go into the slot every single time, and I think that he can do that. I think he can be an every-down slot guy. Not necessarily saying that's all he can do, but I think that he'd be more comfortable in there, similar to the – who was the Washington corner that went to um, Carolina or went to Arizona? Who? Byron Murphy. Yes, Byron, Byron Murphy, Murphy. Who was a who was a guy who, when he came out of college, he went and was a slot guy, and he was very good at that. Like the way they tried to play him out in space a little too much, he wasn't necessarily super comfortable in there. But when they gave him the chance to just be a slot guy with regularity, he was really good at it, and he has become one of the better slot corners in the league. So I think that that is something that we could see McDuffie do. I think he's going to have that. He's going to have a willingness to tackle. We're not super surprised there. He's not going to like come down and lay like big hits on guys, but he can definitely come down and he's going to tackle and he's going because that's just what those Washington corners are. They have no problem going, getting their nose and things and getting tackles done. So I guess on a side note, can we just take a second and appreciate what Washington has sent to the NFL the past half decade from that secondary? You had McDuffie and Kyler Gordon this year. Years past, you had Kevin King, Sidney Jones, Byron Murphy, Taylor Rapp, Buda Baker. They sent some. They sent a lot of guys to the NFL who were high picks and have been effective players just in the past. And just five. think about how good Sidney Jones would have been, like if it wasn't for that Achilles injury. Like yeah. he was projected to be a first yeah. round guy if it wasn't he for was that injury. Cornerback one, I think. Yep. He was yep. Cornerback one in that class before he got hurt. Oh yeah, no, he was pretty much yeah, cornerback one across the board. Yeah, and and that just it never worked. Like we've seen that with a lot of big, especially corners. Those type of injuries can be devastating. 
I remember just being a Badger fan a decade ago, Jack Ekiguanu was a second-round pick. He had all the tools in the world, but he told blew his Achilles out and was never the same. Yeah, McDuffie, though, going back to the current player, yeah, I'd be I'd be good with him. Yeah, he's a little bit more inside than Booth, but again, he's he's versatile and he he's again he's got that attitude that who's gonna want to make you pay. Another guy who I think has that too is uh, Kyrie Elam out of Florida. He might he might be there in the second round, six one and a half, one ninety one, kind of a standout on a what was an average Florida team this past year. Uh, I, I'm interested to see how his stock is kind of moving around from from the SEC when he's because he's not. Roger McCreary or Derek Stingley, but he's still a pretty good player. Real quick on Sidney Jones before we move on. So we said he was consensus cornerback one. Some of the other corners in that class, Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, Trey White, Garyon Conley, Adore Jackson, Kevin King. There was some good corners in that class. And that's though most of those guys were just first rounders. Other than Kevin King, those were all first round corners. And that's just that was just kind of how crazy that class was. Was even though this guy who was your cornerback one got hurt with a torn Achilles, the rest of the class was still so so good. But on Kyrie Elam, three star, three sport athlete, and star when he was in high school, football, baseball, track. He's got NFL bloodlines. With uh, he's the nephew of Matt Elam, who played seven years uh, in the NFL with the uh, with Baltimore, and then I think. I think he played. I can't remember who else he played with, but I know he's that's who he was drafted oh, by. Yeah, maybe. That, that might have been it. But he did he, he did a little bit of everything uh, with Florida, like you said. It was kind of an average Florida team, so he didn't get nearly as much airtime as if he was a, got on there like 15 years ago when they were having the Tim Tebow run, where they were on national TV every single week. He has got. I like I like that he's got good ball skills. Uh, McDuffie, not the biggest ball skill guy, but. Elam definitely likes to get his hands in, likes to get, kind of get after the ball and make it to where, oh, well, if you're going to throw in my area, I'm going to make you pay for it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, that, that's a great description of it. Like, Elam, he's going to make you earn everything you get against him. He's Everyone thinks that he likes to get his hands on you, get in your face, and, and, ma- and make you earn every yard you get. And, again, some of these guys, they're not going to get a lot of playing time year one unless you know, it's a guy like Booth or McDuffie. Obviously, Stingley and Gardner. So you have to cut their teeth on special teams, and someone who's going to like to get involved, run, and hit, they're going to make an impact right away for Green Bay. And I think Elam could be one of those guys. I, and you know they're going to be talking with, with Rich Bisacci on some of these picks. It's like, hey, can this guy help you out on punt coverage, uh, kick coverage, punt uh, punt block? What are you thinking? And especially as we get later in the draft and as we get to our guy who, just look at his measurables, who we both really want in probably around two or three, 
which we'll get to in a second. So they, they, there's there's going to be some nuance in how the Packers make their picks if they go to the secondary this year. Even if you know, how they do with safety could change things as well. Like there's, It's more than just how you're going to cover on the field. Yeah, Elam's not he, – uh, he was definitely a better tackler in 2021 than he was in 2020. Uh, so I like that he improved there. I like his athleticism on special teams. And the, but the main thing that I like about, that kind of spooks me about him here is he's not great in off coverage. And for those that don't know, I hate off man coverage. I don't like it. I've always thought it was dumb. I prefer press coverage all day. I, I love the corner at the line going one on one. All right. Let's do this. Let's see who wins this. That's the way that I think that I just, I think coverage is better that way. I understand that it's not effective for certain reasons, but in, in the grand scheme of things, that's the kind of coverage that I like. Kyrie Elam likes to play that press man coverage. Guess what? Joe Barry, for whatever reason, and every other defensive coordinator that ever is in Green Bay, doesn't exclusively like to run a lot of press man. They like to go off man or they like to go zone. I don't like those. Kyrie Elam doesn't like to do the whole off man thing. He's much better in press or in zone. But if you put him in off man, that's just that's not where he succeeds. Similarly, I've got another corner that I know everybody just loves, Kevin King. Kevin King wasn't great in off man. He was much better in just press coverage. Why? Because he was huge. Tyree Elam, similar, bigger guy. Let him like let him use his size. So if they're willing to let him do what he's supposed to, what he does well, great. But otherwise, I don't necessarily love it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think we'll see how things change this year. Maybe they'll maybe they'll shape it up a little bit because I think Rasul likes to play that kind of coverage too. But let's let's talk a little bit about the guy who we looked at before we recorded, and we both fell in love with his mock draftable chart, and that's Tariq Woolen out of uh, UT San Antonio. He's going to be 23 this year. He turns 23 in May, so he'll be 22 on draft night. He'll turn 23 before training camp starts, so he's a little older. 6'3", 205, and he's a converted receiver, played two years at corner. This guy's measurables are off the church. There is no good comparison from mock draftable to him. Closest was Xavier Rhodes at 70%. This guy is 90 percentile or more at everything but hand size. This guy is a freak athlete, as freaky as it gets. Well, we got to take him off the board then because uh, hand size is all that matters. That's why Kenny Pickett's not being drafted in the first round. Obviously, sarcasm for those that don't know. But, yeah, no, if you just take a second, go to mockdraftable.com, and then look up Tariq Woolen, T-A-R-I-Q-W-O-O-L-E-N. He's out of UTSA, and he is a dumb athlete, like – they're, they don't make them like this. You don't get to be in the like 205 pounds and also run four two six. That do, that doesn't happen. It's like we talked last week about Jordan Davis, just the quarterback version. Yeah, I didn't even it, think it about that. Like but you're 100 percent correct. You're like 100 percent correct that Jordan Davis is a different athlete. You, they, they don't make him his size and able to move like he does. They don't make him like they make Tariq Woolen here. They don't make guys that are six three. And then also able to move like this guy does. So yeah, I mean, just just a rundown of his measurables: six four and one eighth. He, he uh, was in two o five, wingspan just a shy of seventy nine inches, thirty four inch arms, four two six forty, forty two inch vertical, a one four nine ten yard split. So he gets off the ball quick. It's just his numbers are just crazy, and I'm I'm trying trying to find his stats from UTSA. Again, played three years at wide receiver. Last year had, or last year had one interception, had 25 tackles, five passes defense. The year before, a sack and a half, an interception, four passes defense, 35 tackles. Corners aren't going to expect to tackle that much, but man, this, this guy's, 
he's going to take some time to develop, but again, you want to have special teams impact. Tell this guy, be gunner, go run, go hit the returner. Cause, and every report I've read shows he is a willing tackler as well. And so like that, that kind of stuff. I mean, round two, you can, I remember 15 years ago, 16 years ago when the Packers took this random kid out of Bethune Cookman, who no one thought was this small school guy. He's, gonna, he's crazy athletic, but he's not going to be anything. And that guy's name was Nick Collins. Now, Woolens, I'm not going to say he's going to be Nick Collins, but those smaller school developmental guys can always turn out much greater than you think when they come into the draft. Yeah, there's the, the main thing that I'm looking at here, and I know that there's one big thing that's going to scare some people. Always converted, and he used to play basketball, and you're going to think Quentin Rollins. Okay, quick thing. Quentin Rollins was not 6'3", so that's So just get that image out of your head. Like Quentin Rollins struggled with tackling. Quentin Rollins struggled being small. We're not going to have to deal with that same issue here. Quentin Rollins was 5'11 and 1'8", 195 pounds. He wasn't 6'3", 205. So you don't have to worry about that. Tariq does have to work on his tackling a little bit. He's a little inconsistent there, which that's going to make sense. After he played receiver for three years, he's going to be a little slower there. He does have some aspects to work on things in that area of the game. But you also have to factor in, he's not going to be expected to start year one. He's behind Rasul, Rasul Douglas, Jair Alexander, and Eric Stokes. There's plenty, there's plenty of guys in front of him. He doesn't have to worry about being on the field right away. He could focus on learning the game more and then using his athleticism on special teams where he can thrive. Green Bay needs help on special teams. This is a guy that can help you on special teams. Even if he isn't a flawless player, he's got speed and you can't teach speed, especially not at 6'3", 205. Oh, you, you can't, you cannot teach fast and we saw with Eric Stokes that recovery speed matters. Woolen's got that recovery speed. Yes, he's got some technique issues he got to work on. That comes with only playing corner for two years. But everything has shown a willingness. He's not afraid to stick his nose in there. And that's stuff where Jerry Gray can help teach that. Jerry Alexander and Russell Douglas can help teach that as veteran players. As a developmental guy, if you take him with your second, second-round pick, if he's still there, I am more than okay with that. He is I, – I am impressed by, by what, he could, what he could be. And you can never – you can, I, I'm never going to fault a guy for taking a home run swing. If it ends up being only a single, whatever, you're still on base. Woolen is a guy who, even if he plays just special teams for 10 years, that's a valuable role in the NFL, especially with that kind of athleticism. Who will, teams will always give chances to guys like that. And again, he's only going to be 20. He'll be 23, but he'll be just turning 23. So he's not an old, he's not a super old prospect compared to some of the other players in the Shrek class who were. Kyler Fackrell level of old coming into the draft. But kind of look at that. Those are some of the top corners we're looking at. There's a lot of guys late in the draft that I haven't done enough work on. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you have either, Gage, but are there any other guys late in the draft who you think could be guys? Because we're going to be talking about draft sleepers next week as well. So are there guys you might be looking at that are later that to kind of keep an eye on, or should we save that for more next week when you get to some guys who are kind of under the radar? Uh, one guy that I'll probably go into a little more depth on next week, but I at least want to kind of pause it out there, is Elante Taylor out of Tennessee. This is another guy, just great athleticism guy, transition former wide receiver to corner. Uh, definitely on the older side. He's He'll turn 24 later this year, uh, senior out of Tennessee. J- he's projected to be a possible starter, definitely special team standout. Uh, just got a, another a lot guy with a ton of athleticism on him. 
Uh, and that's another one of those guys that you take kind of late in the draft. And if he doesn't earn you anything on the de- defensive side of the ball, if he can give you something in the in special teams, that's where that's where you're really hoping for. 92nd percentile on the 40, 85th percentile on the 10-yard split, 85th percentile on the broad jump. Got a lot of speed and athleticism and explosiveness. Six foot, 200 pounds. Compares well to Devin McCourty, uh, Eli Apple, D. Milliner, uh, for, former first round pick, AJ Terrell, who was one of the best Sh- corners in Sh- football Sh- last year that no one talked about. Yeah, there's a Shaq Griffin, there's a lot of, a lot of guys that he compares well to. We'll probably go, we'll go into more depth on him next week, but, uh, I think he's another guy that I think, uh, just a lot of athleticism to him and you, you can always rely on that, especially on a team that needs special teams help. Can't, I, we can't stress it enough that this team needs help there. And these last couple of guys we talked about both could help in that area. For sure. And I'll bring up one last name because cause I wasn't going to bring him up until I was watching uh, Jacob Westendorf's goal zone when they had Eric Crocker and he brought him up. So might as well, we are the Packers. So I'll bring up Fayon Hicks, who is the fifth year senior out of Wisconsin. For some reason, wasn't invited to the combine, but at his pro day, 5'10", 183, ran a 4'3", 840, 10 foot, 1 inch broad, 37 inch vertical. Six seven eight three cone. That that those are elite measure elite testing numbers in, in Madison. He's uh, he'll be a day late day three or a UDFA player, slot guy, and play special teams. I know he played a little bit at Wisconsin, played special teams, and Jim Leonard liked to rotate his corners in and out just to, just to make sure he kept keep guys fresh. So there's a guy maybe like a late day three guy to keep an eye on. I'm sure some team will give him a chance, but Fayon Hicks, uh, much better athlete than you would expect for the typical Wisconsin defender. But those are just a few of the corners that we have in the draft here in 2022. There's a lot of guys that we didn't even touch on that we'll do more as we get closer and closer to draft. Just a little under two weeks away now. And, of course, stay tuned. Every day the Pack-A-Day podcast, uh, we'll be covering every position group. Next week uh, we'll have some sleeper players. And then, of course, we'll be doing daily recaps during the draft as well, as well as deep dives into the picks that the Packers made going forward after the draft as well. So as we wrap things up, Gage, uh, first of all, who's your favorite corner in the class, and then where can people find you? Favorite corner in the class, Derek Stingley Jr. It's been that way for a couple of years now. It's not changing now. Derek Stingley Jr. remains the best corner in this class. I like other guys, but Stingley's just he's a special cat. This kid, he's got he's got different stripes. He is he plays ball at a different level than a lot of other guys in this class do. Um, I know he's not going to fall to Green Bay, but I sure can't hope that he would because even if Green Bay doesn't have a primary need there, he's a guy you're slant, you're running the card up. You you figure it out. You find a way to get him on the field. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at GBridge for the NFL. Still doing coverage of the Denver Nuggets over at DenverStiffs.com. Also started the Believe in Nuggets podcast. That uh, first episode came out this morning, actually. Uh, so you can find that. The link to that will be over on my Twitter as well. Um, other than that, not really doing a whole lot right now. Still doing a little bit of fantasy coverage here, a little bit of gambling stuff, but not a whole lot else going on right now. Sounds good. And for me, again, yeah, Derek Stingley, my favorite corner in the draft. He's cornerback one. He has been, for like Chief said, for two years. So if he's there and you run that card to the table and you don't think twice, unless Jordan Davis is there as well, then you probably put Jordan Davis on there. But you can find me real on quick, Twitter at my comment. They're find both my here. writing work. Go ahead. They're both there. Who do you take, Stingley or Davis? You're taking Davis at 22 and then trading up to 23. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to – I was like, I want to know because, like, obviously it's not going to happen. But if it did, I wanted to know what your answer would be. I go Davis just because you need that spot more. And he's that freak of an athlete. 
But that being said, again, find my work on Twitter at Mike Wedland. Uh, I'm writing for Wisconsin Sports Heroics, covering the Milwaukee Brewers as baseball season's underway. Broadcasting professionally for Zaleski Sports. Of course, prep sports have been kind of starting to stop in Wisconsin because weather has not cooperated. As I look out my window on a 30-degree Saturday as we record this, as it has been brutally cold and windy and rainy and snowy the past two weeks because we can't have nice things. Of course, follow us at Packaday Podcast on social media. Follow us whenever your favorite podcast platform is. Also, the Packaday Podcast YouTube channel. Again, Andy's done great work, done some really good dives into some prospects over the past couple of weeks as well on that as well. So check that out every day. So for all of us here at the Packaday Podcast and for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wendland saying so long, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We'll see what corners may end up in Green Bay in 2022. So everyone, stay warm, stay safe, always carry the G, and with just a couple more weeks till the draft, go Pack Go. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.